welcome to episode two of the Mark Cloud podcast. So joining me today is our in-house B2BMA guru, Holly Fitzpatrick, which I'm pretty certain that's her job title. Um, but if it's not, then I'll let her introduce herself and correct me. So yeah, Holly, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do at Mark Cloud? Yeah, so my name's Holly. I'm the solutions consultant at Mark Cloud, and it's basically my job to come up with integrations and solutions for any kind of technical requirement that a client may have. So whether it's UTM capture, iframe resizer, that kind of thing. As well as that, I also do just the general product and Salesforce consultancy. So development, B2BMA work, etc. Cool. So that's not your job title. It's not, unfortunately, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's fine. Um, I think it is fair to say, though, that you do a lot of our B2BMA work, right? So I guess you've seen good implementations, bad implementations, or just some general misconceptions of what B2BMA is and what it can do. Um, another one thing that keeps catching um, us out is that um, people seem to think that uh, have a certain view of how long it will take to create dashboards. Um, particularly, they think it takes less time than it actually does. So why don't we start there and just explain um, what the misconception there is in terms of effort? Yeah, sure. So a lot of people tend to think that because it's called a dashboard, that it would take about the same time as a Salesforce dashboard, but it takes considerably longer than that. So a couple of the things that kind of throw people are one, the terminology, and two, kind of the way that they look. So Salesforce dashboards and B2BMA dashboards kind of have the exact same layout because they're both hosted in Salesforce, but B2B mm. has a lot more features and functionalities and you can get a lot more complex with it. Okay, cool. So um, why does it take longer then? So you're right. I think people, I think people's benchmark is a Salesforce dashboard, right? And if you know what you're doing with a Salesforce dashboard, it doesn't, take all that long certainly for a basic dashboard anyway but even the basic stuff in b2bma can take much much longer um to implement than a basic dashboard in salesforce so why is that yeah so there's a couple things so within b2bma you have um these things called data flows and data sets so the data flows populate the data sets or you can populate them via a recipe but generally they will be data flows and the flows have to run on a schedule the schedule of that is kind of dependent on what you'd like. So we recommend no more than every four hours, but also you'd want to have them at least once every 24 hours. That has to run in a certain schedule. So we've got different data sets that have to run before each other. So for example, if you wanted the standard kind of app data flow for a B2BMA org, the product engagement history one has to run first then the B2B MA1, and then any flows that kind of run a custom recipe would go after that. As well as that, you've also got your Salesforce connector um, flows. So each of those has to be done via a separate connection in the data manager. Once all of those have kind of populated, actually setting up the app itself takes a little while. So the initial sync for that can take anywhere from an hour to, I've seen it take up to like two full days Mostly oh, wow. dependent on the size, yeah. Mostly dependent on the size of the the client's org. So if you have a very big org with a lot of complex rules and validations, and you've got a lot of prospects, expect it to take more towards like the one to two day period. If it's a brand new org, you've just got B two BMA, and you don't really have a whole lot of data in there, it'll probably be ready in about thirty to sixty minutes. Right. Okay. So it's not just as simple like a Salesforce dashboard. I guess it's just not as simple as saying. 
I want this report to have this field grouped by this field here. And voila, you've got yourself a report that you can front on a dashboard. It's a lot more complex than that. Yeah, definitely not, especially because of just the the sheer amount of kind of <coughs> amendments that you need to put in there. So in a Salesforce dashboard, you can just, you know, select the column, press go, and it runs in a couple seconds or minutes. But within B2BMA, you've got to create queries from your data sets. Um, you can make lenses, you can make dashboards from a group of lenses. So there's just so much more complexity to it that you have to kind of think before you go in and actually make the dashboard or the lens or whatever you're doing. And prior to that, you have to make sure the data is cleansed and in a, in a format that would help the visualization so there's a new numerous different visualizations such as you get within a salesforce dashboard so you can do donut charts um pie charts are they the same thing donut charts and pie charts i guess they uh, are. yeah we'll just say one has a hole in the middle right what exactly <laughs> um like bar charts um time graphs etc and if your data isn't quite in the correct format for that it just won't work so you've got to make sure right. you've got to do all the cleansing and things like that which takes even more time as well as that, B2BMA has the bi-directional sync. So it's pulling in Pardot data and Salesforce data, whereas the Salesforce mm. dashboard would just have Salesforce data. So the syncing between those two orgs can take some time as well. Um, and right. you'll also find that there'll be a bit of a discrepancy between you know, your data in one system versus B2B because of that sync. Wow. Okay. So a lot of things to consider, I guess, and uh, being yeah. a big one, um, as is with anything. Um, so is this for brand new dashboards then that it can take a long time or is it for amendments as well? So you get your five dashboards out of the box, don't you, with account engagement. Let's try and not put any money in the swear jar and call it Pardot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's see how far we get with that one. But yeah, with account engagement, you get five dashboards out of the box, right? So if you were asked to just make a couple of amendments to a dashboard, are we still looking at um, a significant amount of time to make those amendments? So that would depend entirely on what types of amends you would need. So things like adding in the additional fields that are already within that data set are relatively quick. So you still need to be able to use a SQL coding language to actually add those into the dashboard and make sure that they all work correctly. But if you wanted something that wasn't in one of the dashboards by default, then you'd actually have to make a custom recipe. And then from that custom recipe, you've got to rebuild the data set exactly as it would be within the default dashboard, add in your custom fields from data sets or connections from Salesforce, um, kind of weave them together, do any transformations, clean up, and then output them into a new data set. Once mm. you've got that new data set or data sets, plural in some cases for certain dashboards, you then have to go through and replace every single query in the dashboard with that new data set. And then format it so that everything works correctly filters um work for each of the different data sets and if you've used multiple data sets you then need to connect those data sets so that they function together um so it is oh, it wow. is a great deal of work okay which leads on to the next point actually because i think this is probably one of the biggest areas that people don't understand and i guess it does come from that salesforce dashboard and report piece right because technically with a salesforce report and dashboard if the report is there and you just the fields are there, you can create it, right? But it sounds like this is much more involved. So why don't we just start by talking about what a data set is, what a recipe is, and how they work, how they link together. Maybe that'll help people understand uh, you know, how complex this project could actually be. 
Yeah, sure. So a data set is essentially just what you would call a formatted data node in B2BMA. So by default, you'll get a number of data sets such as multi-touch attribution, um, PD email, PD email templates. So these are kind of pre-provisioned data sets that Pardot has already given you via default data flows, uh, or rather account engagements has already given you. That's already one for the square uh, It's already one for the square jar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you'll already get a number of data sets um, and then those data sets populated via a recipe or a data flow, you can use the data sets to build out a lens. So a lens is just a an exploration of one data set and you get one dimension or one measure. So a dimension or a measure is something like um, lead source or amount. So a lens it's a bit would like be, um you would group a field in a Salesforce report, right? By yeah. lead source or something like that. It's a bit like that. Yeah, exactly. So okay. you basically just have that one and that would be a lens. A dashboard would be a kind of a group of different lenses on one dashboard. And those can be from either one object or data set or numerous different data sets and objects. So yeah, you do get a lot more complexity because in Salesforce, you can only really do the one object for a report, whereas B2B lets you combine numerous ones together. Okay. How would you link data sets together then? What's the process of linking data sets? If you wanted to link data sets, you would have to do that in a recipe or a data flow. I usually prefer to do them in a recipe just because you do get that extra, um, what's the word, like customization ability. So you can mm -hmm. transform the data sets, you can filter them. So if you only wanted campaigns that had a specific type, you could pull in the campaign node from either Salesforce or Pardot, um, add on the type filter, which is just a, a second node in the recipe, exclude any with a type of meeting, for example, and then kind of pull right. that through into a new data set. So it's, it's so much more flexible. And that's kind of why you have more complexity, but with the flexibility that it offers, it's, it's you know, a really, really great tool. Okay. So what would happen if we didn't create that linkage, right? So if we have a dashboard and it basically has a filter along the top, um, but that, you know, we've got like maybe two or three data sets on the dashboard that aren't linked properly. What would happen if we were to select that filter um, to the dashboard? What would happen there? We've got a couple different data sets and you just use a filter based on one of them. The one that you'd created the filter from would filter and then the other two would just kind of remain as they were. So nothing would happen. You'd have to go in oh, okay. and connect the data sets. Otherwise they would, you know, partially change, but not all of them would change mm. at the same time. And that's what you see with a lot of clients when they've tried to kind of amend their own dashboards so yeah, yeah. half of the dashboard will update and they'll wonder why and that's that's why so you need to connect all of them together cool so when does it, basically there's um a data architecture piece underneath all this isn't there you don't just look at the org again like a salesforce report and dashboard select the report and there's definitely a lot of work to look at the data look at it holistically i guess but then maybe you've got to look at it and say okay what's the common thread throughout all of these is it the contact that links you know account to opportunity to prospect or whatever it is um there definitely needs to be a common thread there for everything to work i guess yeah definitely and that's kind of like another limitation that we have sometimes so clients will want um, a recipe that connects 
X object to Y object, but there's no connecting node. So as you mentioned, it has to have like a contact ID or an opportunity ID or something to connect them. And sometimes those objects just aren't related at all. Mm. So there's nothing for us to use on the recipe side to connect them together. Sometimes you can do that via kind of going, almost going around. So, you know, X connects to W and W connects to Y. And that's mm. how you can do that. But it's having that kind of knowledge of the org in place. So, yeah, a lot of kind of planning and mapping has to go into it before you actually go ahead and make the recipe. Right. Okay. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. And it does um, a lot of the time when clients come to me as well. It's like this dashboard doesn't quite work. And that does explain a lot. Right. So I think one key takeaway from this is people need to understand that there is a level of design with the data underneath all of this to make sure that it works. It's not just as simple as throwing a component on a dashboard to look at, you know, opportunities being created for this month if it's not linked to a contact and it's it's on the same it's on the same dashboard as like prospect act, um, activity from Pardot account engagement. Damn. Another one for the swear <laughs> Um yeah exactly cool. okay. Okay that explains a lot actually. Um I think that's one of the biggest problems that people have as well. Um, but moving on to um, the next topic, I think the um, you wanted to speak about the problems with the initial setup. So do you just want to expand on that a little bit and call out what you wanted people to know in that area? Yeah, sure. So the kind of most basic one is license limitations. So by default, you only get five licenses for B2BMA. Um, and one of those has to be given to the integration user itself. So you only really get four. You can purchase additional licenses, but oftentimes clients will say, oh, we want these seven members of staff to have access um, to edit dashboards. And of course, we, we don't have that many. So that's kind of a first limitation. Um, and another one is that within B2BMA, um, it's a Salesforce product. So you kind of think you can use like the same data sets for all of the CRM analytics, but B2BMA mm. needs its own specific licenses, which can be okay. a little bit frustrating as well. Right. Okay. So yeah, it's not just as simple as giving everybody access, putting it into like a public folder and giving everybody access to that folder. And if the dashboard sits within it, they've got access to it. It's actually a licensable product, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so CRM analytics is kind of where it's hosted. So B2B is a CRM analytics app, but with it being its own separate kind of mini product almost, you need a separate mm. license entirely for B2BMA, which makes sense because it can access Pardot data. Then again, account engagement <laughs> data, but it is, yeah, it's a separate product. Right. Okay. Good to know. I think, um, again, this comes up time and time again with, with ours. And I guess one thing to add as well is um, not only does a B2BMA user need it as well, but if you work with a consultancy like us, for example, for us to be able to access it and implement it and stuff, we need to consume a license as well, right? So mm, five yeah. suddenly becomes three um, to the end user. Um, I think you can purchase additional licenses, not Salesforce AE, so I don't know how much they are or anything like that. But I guess anybody listening, if you do need more licenses, you can always speak to Salesforce, right? But out of the box, it's five. Um, which is good to know as well. Um, in terms of the actual setup, um, though, um, I think you, in a conversation me and you had um, a couple of weeks ago, actually, we were talking about the Salesforce guides and how 
the Salesforce guides and implementation guides are actually really good, but there's a couple of things that aren't in there that people would need to know. Um, so yeah, just wondered what those couple of things are for the benefit of the listeners. Yeah, sure. So a couple of times we've had an issue where the data sets weren't populating. So we've been able to set up the app, but the actual data within the app just wasn't wasn't changing. Um, and what that ended up being was that the B2BMA integration user didn't have editor access to the dashboard itself. So we've had to go in, um, right. amend the sharing settings and give the B2BMA integration user managerial access. Um, and then once that was updated it was finally able to populate strange one but that's not in any of the setup documentation right, so right. yeah <laughs> okay you think that was a pretty key thing to call out right yeah yeah definitely but that that wasn't in there so that's actually happened a couple of times since that initial issue and right. um it's yeah it's, it's worked every time so that one should probably be added in <laughs> yeah salesforce if you're listening <laughs> uh, the implementation guide. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then another one is that it doesn't really tell you or give any indication as to what you're supposed to do with the connections and the data flows. It just kind of it pre-configures and you know they'll run once, but you have to go in and manually schedule those to repeat. Uh, All right. Okay. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, like you don't want it to be any less than 24 hours, but you really don't want it to be more than four either, because if you schedule the um, the data flows or the data sets to run too often, what can happen is that if they take five hours to completely run through because you have a slightly larger org and you've set it to run every four hours, just before it finishes, it will essentially try to restart itself and cancel itself. So it will just never right. update and you'll get failures over and over again. You're in B2B mad data purgatory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another consideration, right? That's another thing, um, I guess, with the data, like trying to have a timeline view of when things are going to run. So it's not, again, it's not just a simple case of I've created these lenses, look at these objects or anything like that. One has to run before the other one can be updated for a certain um, a certain piece of the lens, I guess. Yeah. Um, so there's that consideration as well. But that's good yeah. to know. No, exactly. Because cool. of course, when you ask a client, you know, how often do you want these to run? They say, well, as often as possible, because we want the data to be fresh. Yeah, every minute. We want it every yeah, minute. Exactly. <laughs> but um, there, there is such a thing as like too often in B2B. Yeah. So, you know, we recommend kind of giving it at least at least four to six hours um, between the sinks. Some clients may need more than that just because the, the sinks can take that long. So I would yeah. say initially set it up every 24 hours see how long that takes mm. and if it's not taking very long because you're able to see on the right hand column next to the data flows how long they've taken to run if they're only taking maybe two or three hours then you can reduce that down to six and it will be totally fine if they oh, are oh. taking more like six or seven hours then i'd say maybe leave it at 12 just to be on the safe side yeah no it's really good advice actually i think um it's good for people to realize that um, nothing set in stone on the initial implementation, right? So if you get it wrong, you can always amend. So it's always good to be cautious and work down and, and refine it if that makes sense. But it's always better to be a little bit cautious, right, on the initial setup. Yeah, Hello. definitely. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I've been talking for so long now. It's my time to shine. Exactly. It's. Um, I don't think any podcast is complete without a cat coming into into the frame. Oh, exactly. So, <laughs> it, it, hopefully my kids don't come in like that BBC episode um, where yeah, 
yeah hopefully that doesn't happen we'll see we've got we've still got a little bit of time so it could happen (laughs) (laughs) um one problem i keep coming up against actually um as well is a very specific component um within b2bma um but i guess it's reflective of a wider problem and i guess that's when the view of the world um isn't quite marrying up with salesforce so what i mean by that is in particular with b2bma that people need to realize that the five dashboards that come pre-configured pre-configured with a certain logic um in mind and the component that i keep coming up time and time again uh, again in terms of why is this not matching up um with what how we do it is that life that life cycle component on the pipeline dashboard So, you know, when you've got the funnel and it's working from visitor through to closed one, it's specifically the MQL bit. Um, So it's obviously indicative of a wider problem. But can we just talk about what we mean by, you know, the Salesforce's view of the world is different to the clients and why that might cause an issue? Yeah, sure. So um, with the pipeline dashboard specifically, MQL tends to be, well, as they define in B2BMA, it's the point at which they're assigned. So MQL number is really just the number of assigned users you have in Pardot. Mm. Of course, depending on your the client, that is not going to be their definition of an MQL. Um, so the Salesforce definitions for things versus the clients can differ. And it's just you know good to keep in mind that the default dashboards are really just a one-size-fits-all kind of thing, or they try to be. Um, so if that doesn't fit your business needs, that's totally fine. You know, we can always kind of update things or amend them, but it's not going to kind of suit every single business need so much as it tries. Yeah, no, that, it's a really good point. I think um, a lot of my clients as well, um, I don't know about if you've come across it as well, but the definition of an MQL is definitely different to a one-time event, such as like account engagement handing over. I got it right. Yeah. Account engagement handing over a prospect, which is a one-time event, isn't it? It creates a lead and it's, you've got that creation stamp and that's a one-time event. What I'm finding more and more is that um, the life cycle of a lead or a contact could be multiple MQLs. So if you're cross-selling products uh, or anything like that, they could be an MQL for one product, an MQL for another product. But obviously that, um, I guess that terminology of how Salesforce defines an MQL doesn't work in that scenario so i guess there's definitely a workaround there that we need to work with time and time again yeah exactly and then you know on top of that they tend to define kind of like the sql but it's like when they've got an open opportunity but that isn't really what many clients would call an sql so sql might be different again um so it just it is about kind of looking at it and considering is this what we would consider an mql and sql whichever definition and amending it appropriately to fit your business needs. They're really more of a skeleton or um, mm. yeah, kind of like a building block. And then you can add your own business requirements over the top to make it suit you. I think that's a great way to end it, actually. That's, you've taken the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> um, I think if people just realize that it's the baseline and it probably will need amending, then I think think they're on the right path so i think that's a really good place to end it um nice. so yeah for, um, not that we've pre-talked about this or anything um but no i think um for everybody listening um in the show notes we'll include some blog posts and some other areas to look into other assets and resources that could talk about the topic of b2bma um but for now i guess holly thanks for joining me on the call today it's been a pleasure thank you no problem